0: Would you turn to two openings, please, this morning? First Samuel, the second chapter, and Romans chapter 13. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have extra Bibles. Hold up your hand real high. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And uh, everybody go to First Samuel 2 and Romans 13. Are you believing with me this morning? Let's just agree together further about this. You know, the Lord... He teaches us supernaturally by His Spirit. He can say things to you that I didn't say. He personalizes it to everybody that will have ears to hear. So uh, just hold one hand up if you would in respect and say it out loud, Father God, Father, grant, us God. Right now, grant us utterance right now and, and eyes to see and, eyes see and ears to hear and exactly, ears to hear. exactly, exactly. What, I need, what I need, what you want me to see. And know and do. do. I'll hear it. I'll receive it. it. By your grace. grace. I'll do it. it. And thank you for the blessing. blessing. On your word. word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. First Samuel 2. We see Eli was the priest. Uh, Over the uh, house of God. And his sons were priests and ministers under him. But they were wicked men. And they despised the things of the Lord. And treated them improperly with contempt. They stole, mishandled and stole the offerings. They had improper relationships with the women that came. And any number of things. And Eli knew about this and the Lord warned him about it. But he didn't make them stop. He didn't pull them. You know, he should have been strong with them, shouldn't he? He should have called them at the first hint of any of this stuff. And he should have told them, Now, boys, I love you, but this is the house of God. And you cannot treat the people like this and treat the offerings like this. If I hear of any offerings being taken, if I hear of this kind of thing happening, you're out. I'm pulling you. You're out. And if he heard about it and they ignored him, what should he have done? Pulled him. Pulled him. And I don't care if they cried and they begged or they cussed. Well, that's hard. No, let me tell you what's hard. Losing both you boys in one day in the prime of their life. Losing the ministry. Forfeiting the call of God. That's what's hard. And that's what happened to them. See, sometimes people don't realize. They think, well, you're just hard, you know. Why don't you give on this? Why don't you? Listen. Love corrects. The Bible said don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Because as many as he loves, he chastens. And people may not understand it. But he's trying to spare you from destruction. He's not just trying to be mean and hard with you. And there's too much compromise. There's too much, you know, uh, People will tell their kids what to do, and they don't do it. Well, whatever, you know. And and if you'll do this, then we'll we'll do this for you. If you don't do it, we can't do it. They don't do it. They don't do what they're told, but they get the blessing anyway. And there's just this looseness and laxness. And people, kids grow up, and they think God's that way. And they try to act that way with Him and lose out on all kind of things in life that they could have and should have enjoyed. But uh, I believe the Lord's teaching us in these days about these things and we're coming up to another place we're coming up to another place he said to them in uh, first samuel 2 and uh, 29 he said you're honoring your sons above me and verse 30 uh, the lord god of israel said i said indeed that the house your house And the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Them that honor me, I will honor. Everybody say that out loud. Them that honor me, I will honor. I believe it's promotion time. I believe the Lord would honor us. One of the greatest ways He honors us is with His presence. With His presence. His manifested presence. With the move of His Spirit. With the manifestations of His gifts. With giving us His revelation. His truth. His power. His pure and holy things. But how's it going to come? It's going to come in direct connection with us honoring Him. If you honor him, he'll honor you. If you honor him more, he'll honor you more. Can you say amen? Amen. Did you notice though that he said, the Lord said, I had said to Eli that your house, uh, the house of your father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, be it far from me. What does that mean? Things have changed. Your house is not going to remain before me. Now, this is serious, isn't it? Something God had given them, he said, you're going to lose it. Why? Because those that honor me, I'll honor. But those that despise me, which is what his sons and he had done by letting it go and honoring his sons above the Lord. And so, in short order, if you read the rest of the story, the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the enemy. Uh, His two sons were killed when he heard the news, he fell off backwards and broke his neck and died. And his family was basically decimated in a day. And uh, uh, because God had given them the priesthood. Is this a special uh, honor? That God would give you the priesthood. And give you the holy responsibility of handling the word of God. And handling the offerings of God. And leading the people of God in prayer and in worship and in the things of God. And they despised it and treated it with contempt. And because of it, they lost it. Now here's a very sobering lesson. We're going to keep seeing it this morning. If you fail to honor it, you can't hold on to it. If you despise it, you'll lose it. Even though God has given it to you, even though it's precious, even though it's a lifetime opportunity, still, if you don't honor it, you can't hold on to it. If you despise it, you judge yourself unworthy of it, and you'll lose it. Did they lose? The priest, did they lose what God had given them? They did. Why did they lose it? Help me out. Because they despised what God had given them. They despised it. Them that honor me, he said, I will honor. Let me give you some definitions for honor and also for despise. Two words that you'll see frequently is the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, and also the honor of God. The same word honor is often translated glory too, the honor of God, the glory of God. The fear of the Lord, a couple of the definitions are to be in awe of and to revere, to be in awe of. Now notice he said, those that honor me, I'll honor, those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The word despise, one definition is to make little of, to treat as nothing, to disesteem, to fail to value and esteem. So if you honor the things of the Lord, you're in awe of it. If you ignore it, you're certainly not respecting it. If you ignore it or treat it like it's no big deal, treat it like it's nothing, then you despised it. And if you despise his things, then you're going to be despised. You're going to be lightly esteemed. You treat his things like they don't amount to anything then your things are going to be treated like they don't amount to anything. You treat His things like they're important, He's going to treat your things like they're important. You honor Him, He's going to honor you. Can you see this, friends? So important. The word honor literally means heavy or weighty. The New Testament word means to value Or to esteem, like we've already said, to prize or to treat as important. Say it out loud. Treat as important. important. Say it again. Treat as important. Treat as important. We might say uh, today in modern vernacular, make a big deal out of it. Why? Because it is a big deal. Make a big deal out of it. Uh, Go with me, if you would, uh, to Malachi. I know you're... You had your place there in Romans, but for time's sake, just go over to Malachi, the first chapter. Our text in Romans had said, pay the respect you owe. If you owe somebody respect, pay that respect. If you owe somebody honor, pay that honor. In Malachi 1, the Lord has led me to this book repeatedly in this study Because uh, the heart of what we're talking about is rich in these four chapters. If you want to know more about it, I encourage you, read Malachi carefully, and you'll, you'll see so much about the honor of God in these writings. And he is reproving his leaders in this book of Malachi because they have failed to honor him and failed to respect him. Listen to some of these things. In Malachi 1 and verse 2, he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. And yet you say, wherein have you loved us? Uh, (laughs) This is disrespectful. This response. What would be a correct, respectful response when the Lord tells you he loves you? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. But notice their response. Where did you love us? How would you love us? Where? See, uh, disrespect and dishonor. He said, was not Esau Jacob's brother, said the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, verse 3, and I hated Esau. Now this sounds strange to a lot of people. I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau. Now the Bible tells us. You read in uh, in Romans. That he did this. Before they were born. He said I loved him. And hated him. Before they were born. Why? Because he knew their hearts. He knew how their hearts would be. What you'll find out. Is that Jacob. Though he had many problems. Many shortcomings and failures. Yet in his heart. He valued the things of God, Esau, though he had so much going for him in the natural, he despised the things of God. We're going to read about it further in just a moment. Look with me over in the the third, excuse me, down to the sixth verse in that same first chapter, verse six, "A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? Isn't it sad that the Lord had have to ask, Where is my honor? The creator of the heavens and the earth. We wouldn't even have a planet to stand on. We wouldn't even have a breath to draw. And he has to ask, Where is my honor? Where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Where is my reverence and awe? Says the Lord of hosts. Unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And you say, Wherein have we despised your name? Here they are asking him questions again, like that, disrespectful. When did we disrespect you? Now, you can't cover every possible uh, expression of disrespect, but if you listen with your heart in here this morning, you'll discern the spirit of dishonor and dis- disrespect. You'll hear the tone of it and the sound of it. And why do you want to hear it? So that you get it out of you and you never talk like that and you never use that tone. And you get free of this devilish dishonor and disrespect. You know it ought to grieve us if we realize we've been disrespectful to the things of God, to the people of God. It ought to grieve us if we realize we hadn't walked in love. We were selfish. It ought to grieve us if we find out that we didn't believe God. We didn't trust him. That don't mean you go around in condemnation. You repent. But your purpose, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that kind of person. I'm not going to live like that. I'm not, I'm not going to be that kind of man, that kind of woman. He says, uh, where is my respect? You've despised my name. They said, where have we despised your name? You offer polluted bread upon my altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted you? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. If you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Or accept your person? Says the Lord of hosts? (laughs) In other words, I guess he said, I don't want it. (laughs) Give it to him. See if he likes it. See, what are they saying? See, You see the same kind of attitude of Eli's boys. You know, disrespect. Here's the offerings of the Lord. And they say, oh, you know, no need bringing your best bull and calf and goat. We're just going to kill it right here on the altar, you know, and you're going to lose it. Just you got something sick. You got something, you know, it's about dead anyway. You can bring that. That's fine. Now, this is too much in the body of Christ right now. There are vestiges of it, there are forms of it and degrees of it, right and left. You know, the Bible tells us to honor the Lord in word and in deed, not just with mouth, not just with words and talk, it's to be in a heart. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. You know, it wouldn't be honorable for me and Phyllis to put $2 in the offering. Y'all with me? God has blessed us more than that. That wouldn't be respectful. That wouldn't be honorable. You need to do something in proportion to how God has blessed you. Don't you? It needs to be something that's honorable. So an act that, it, that shows that you're thankful. That you value what he's done for you. And it's true in every area of life. They're bringing junk and broke and nothing. There are far too many churches that just, you know, act like they're embarrassed to have an offering. And, oh, you know, throw a quarter in there. That's okay. No big deal. And, and you know, they weren't on time. Well, that's all right. You know, uh, it, it'll happen if it happens. And, and uh, we'll get around to that when we get around to, oh, it's the church. You know, it's, it's just the church. I've heard people say that. It's just the church. Just the church. And, and folks don't realize this is costing them. Personally, because if you despise and fail to acknowledge and respect his things, how are your things going to be treated? Contemptible and unimportant, insignificant. What if you honor him? Help me out. What if you honor him? If you honor him, value his things, treat his things as precious and as important, your things are going to be esteemed. Your things are going to be taken care of and valued. Go to the third chapter, please. Third chapter of Malachi. Verse 8. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. How many think that's a bad idea to rob God? That just sounds dumb, don't it? Here, God, give me your money. I'm taking your money. That is, you know, that may be the answer to how stupid can you get. (laughs) you're going to rob God. And come on, listen. God is the one talking. He says, will a man rob me? Is a man going to rob God? Notice their amazing answer. It's in keeping with the rest of their stuff. What do they say? What do they say? When, When did we rob you? When did we despise you? Now, I think they could have done better than this but at the same time I think we're looking at the result of generations who had lost respect and honor and failed to pass it down and now you had a bunch in there that's ignorant as well as disrespectful. Did you know we are in such a case right now? We are reaping the fruit in our generation of the rebellion of the 60's among other things. And now you got second and third generation people that have grown up were never taught the fear of the Lord. We're never taught proper respect and honor. And they're rude and disrespectful and dishonorable and don't even realize how disrespectful they are. They'd be like, What? Huh? What did I say? What do I do? You know, it's bad to be ignorant. It's bad. it's worse to be ignorant and don't know you are. So ignorant ignorant of being ignorant that's ignorant (laughs) ignorant is worse than being ignorant (laughs) ignorant of your ignorance anyhow even though we may have grown up without some things that we needed as a generation the bible tells us that the fear of the lord can be and should be taught it can be taught. I'm excited that the Lord is teaching us his fear, his honor, his respect. Do you believe it? Said out loud. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me the fear of the Lord, the honor of God. In Psalm 34 and 11, he said, come, you children, and hearken to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Have we asked Him to teach us already in previous services? And other times, we've asked Him, show us, teach us. Do you believe He heard that prayer? Is it His will? Is it going on? I'm telling you, it's going on right now. Right now, He's opening our eyes. He's opening our ears and our hearts. He's showing us what we should do, what we shouldn't do, how we should talk, how we shouldn't talk, what's precious, what's worthless. Isn't He? He is teaching us. The fear of the Lord. Is it going to make a difference in our lives? Oh, oh, I am confident that as we take a step up in our reverence of him, we will immediately see an increase in the power of God, in the presence of the holy, in the manifestations of his power and his spirit. Is this worthwhile? Do we hold this precious and dear? We do. We do. In the third chapter, he said, You've robbed me in uh, tithes and offerings. Verse 10, he said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now, herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open. You, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to uh, Young's literal translation of this. He said, Bring in all the tithe into the treasure house, and there's food in my house. When you've tried me now, says the Lord of hosts, do not I open to you the window of heaven? Yea, I have emptied on you a blessing till there is no space. And I have pushed for you against the consumer. And he does not destroy to you the fruit of the ground, nor miscarry to you does the vine in the field. Are you listening? That God, what is this tithing? Tithing is not just about mechanically paying 10% like you pay a bill. Tithing is about honoring God. Putting God first and honoring him in your words and in your substance and in the first fruits of all your increase. And can you see, he said, you do that. You bring the tithes and offerings to me and honor me and put me first. What's going to happen? I'm going to honor you. I'm going to pour out blessings on you until there's not enough space to receive them. I'm, I'm going to be against you. I'm going to push back against the destroyer. On your behalf. To keep him from destroying your stuff and hindering you. Oh my, my. Do you believe this? Christians. Can you see our text right here? Those that honor me. I'm going to honor you. Is it the Lord honoring you when he blesses you? Till you don't have for him to receive it all, when he blesses you, till your stuff doesn't break and it doesn't wear out and bad things just don't happen. Don't you go year after year and they don't happen. The consumer, the destroyer is not getting to you. Amen. That is the Lord honoring you. And it's in direct response to you honoring him. Now uh, keep reading, skip on down to verse thirteen here. Verse 13, he said, your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against you? They're still asking their disrespectful questions, aren't they? Aren't they? When the Lord says, your words have been stout against me, what's it time to do? It's time to hit your knees, isn't it? And say, God, forgive me. None of this. What do we say? What do we say against you? Do you hear the tone of disrespect? Do you hear this? Do you want to be free from this? And None of this this be in you. You don't talk like this. What have we spoken so much against you? And he said. You have said this. It is vain to serve God. Another translation says. What good is it? What good does it do? And what profit is it? That we've kept his ordinances. And that we've walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. You can see that with what they're doing with the offerings. What good does it do to give all this into the house of God? Uh, that's not necessary. Just You can just bring the sick ones. Just That's not necessary. What good is that? And see, they, they had said, behold, what a weariness it is. Got to get up. Got to get ready. Got to go to church. You got to give. You got to do this. You got to do that. No, no. It ain't got to. It's get to. Get to. And if you don't think it's a privilege, then you're acting unworthy of doing it. And you're in a dangerous situation because what you despise, you'll lose. If you don't honor it, you won't be able to hold on to it. Very, very serious situation. Now, everybody's got flesh. And if you yield to your flesh, you'll be lazy and disrespectful and every other kind of thing. How many know you got to get your flesh by the nap of the neck and shake it and say, Shut up. Get up. Quit that. Man, you got an opportunity. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Get up there and get to it. Let the Lord use you. Make a difference. Be a blessing. Right? Serve Him while you have breath. Serve Him while you have being. The Bible said serve the Lord in the days of your youth. Ecclesiastes talks about don't wait until you're old and worn out. It goes on to describe when you can't see good, you can't hear good, and you can't run, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, so many people, they give the devil the best of their life. The best of their youth and their prime. And then they think, well, man, I better give my heart to the Lord before I die and go to hell. And so... They give the Lord what's left. And He'll take it. He's so gracious. He'll take it. But how many think the Lord ought to have the best? He ought to have your first, your best, your strongest. That's honoring Him. No junk for the Lord. No leftovers for the Lord. It ought to be the first and the best to honor Him. Look with me in uh, uh, Genesis, if you would. Genesis twenty-five, I believe it is. Now uh, they were saying, "What good does it do to serve the Lord? What good is it?" And the Lord said, "You." And I think about God saying, "Those words are stout against me." They were angering Him. For God to say, "Your words." Your words. Can you hear this attitude? What good is it? There's no big deal. What did we take from you? When did we despise you? When did we rob you? Can you can you hear they're ready to argue? Aren't they? They're ready to argue. Somebody say disrespectful. Disrespect, Disrespect. A person like that, what are they gonna get? Those that despise me, what's gonna happen? They're going to be despised. They're going to be lightly esteemed. And those that despise his precious and holy things, what's going to happen? They're going to lose what they should have had. They're going to forfeit what could have been theirs. Why? If you don't value it, you judge yourself unworthy to have it. Now we see this. He said in Malachi 1, he said, Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. Why would he say that about Esau? He knew his heart. He knew what kind of man he would be. And in Genesis you read about it genesis 25 you know the story that Esau was a, a hunter and he was a I guess an athletic guy, and uh, his daddy actually played favorites with him and treated him like he loved him more and, and Jacob probably Esau considered him a mama's boy, stayed around the house and cooked and and also was a shifty guy. <laughs> I mean he uh, Jacob would lie to you. And if you did a deal with Jacob, you better read the fine print. Because <laughs> he'd put some gotchas in there. <laughs> so how could how could you say uh Jacob have I loved? Did the Lord love Jacob's deception and Lying certainly not, he couldn't do that. And Esau have I hated. It? Why would he say that? You see it in this passage right here. Esau came in verse twenty nine of uh, Genesis twenty five twenty nine. Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray you with that same red pottage for I'm faint. Therefore, was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day your birthright. Is that good? Is that nice? Uh uh. But what does it tell you about Jacob? He had a lot of faults. But he valued the holy things of God, he valued the blessing, he valued the anointing. He's going about it in the wrong way, no question. He said, "Was okay. You can have some of my stew, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> Sell me your birthright." Now, what should Esau have said? My birthright? My birthright? The blessing of God? No. No. I'd starve before I'd do that. But no. Instead, what he says. I'm, I'm about to die. You reckon he's really about to die? I doubt it. <laughs> I'm at the point of, day, I'm about to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Do you hear the language? Why, why, why am I going over this slowly? I want you to hear the tone of this. I want red flags to go up when you hear this tone. What do I, I mean, What's the big deal? Such a person will disqualify themselves from the blessing of God as he did. What prophet shall this birthright? And Jacob gave Esau bread of pottage and lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And thus Esau did what? What did he do? He despised his birthright. Tell me, how did he do it? How did he despise his birthright? by treating it like it was worth nothing. Can you see it? In Hebrews, in the New Testament, talks about it. Hebrews 12 and 16, this is the basic English Bible, the BBE. It says uh, that there be not any evil liver, a person that lives in an evil way, or any man without respect for God, like Esau, who let his birthright go for a plate of food. He let it go for a plate of food. For you have knowledge that even long after when he was desiring the blessing for his heritage, see later on he decided he wanted it. But he was too late. He was turned away though he made requests frequently and with weeping because the past might not be changed. Now I know a lot of people don't like to hear this. In modern times and we, we're the children of grace in the age of grace and God will forgive and, and He'll cleanse us. And people like to imagine that you can disrespect the things of God with impunity and always have another opportunity. It's not true. There are some things, if you despise them enough, you'll lose that opportunity and you'll not get it again, period. No matter how much you cry or how much you beg. This is sobering, I know. But it's the truth. It's reality. Later on, Esau cried, he wept. Please, Father, please give me that brother. And he said, I, I can't. Your brother wanted it. In other words, you didn't. The things of God, my friends, are precious. They're holy. And if God offers it to you, and God allows you to be a part. You must not, you dare not be too busy, too preoccupied, don't have time for it. God will give it to somebody else that will value it. And you'll miss out on it. And not only will you miss out on the opportunity to be involved, you'll miss out on the eternal reward that comes from doing it. Somebody say, not me. me. By By the grace of God, not me. I think you feel the same way. I don't want anybody getting my place. Getting my grace. Getting my anointing. Is it possible for it to happen? We see it right here. Saul despised what God gave him in the kingship. He took it away from him. Gave it to David. Didn't he? You see this happen more than once. And God is fair and just. He gave the priesthood to Eli and his boys. And he said I had said That I would keep this in your house from now on. But now be it far from me. Because you despise me. You're going to be despised. You treat my stuff like this. You're not worthy of it. You ought not have the place. I know this is strong. But is it Bible friends? Is it the scriptures? Should we have some fear of God about ourselves? Should we have some reverence and be in awe? Are there some things that are not to be joked about and not to be taken lightly? They are to be highly regarded and greatly esteemed and valued. You don't have to get stiff and and bound, but you should become very respectful, very reverent. Can you see we live in a generation that's lacking in these things, that needs to be taught? And is the Lord teaching us though? I believe he is. I believe he is. Go with me to uh, Esther, the sixth chapter, and then Luke nineteen. I'm not ready for that. How about second Samuel six? Let me uh, commend you. I mean we we certainly have room to grow. But for the most part, you are a respectful bunch concerning the things of the Lord. Phyllis and I have learned a lot this last couple of years. Uh, We believe in God, we're praying about the expansion, and uh, even though we don't talk about it every uh, service, there are things going on. We're praying, we're looking, we're doing what we know to do, and we believe in God, and things are happening. I've learned some things. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but we were looking at pastoring somewhere else in another state before we came here and had looked at it and talked about it quite a bit. And then some things changed and we didn't. And next thing you know, we're here. (laughs) In recent times, we were looking at one place and then some things changed and we, we looked at another. I asked the Lord about that because I, I know He's not flighty and He doesn't change. And so anytime something like that happens, I'm thinking, boy, did I miss it? What, what you know, God's will doesn't change and the Lord helped me to see something that I, I'm, like I'm saying, I'm learning about this. The plan of God in some of these things is not set in stone. People have a lot to do with it. He brought me to uh, the situation with Moses. Moses led God's people out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness, but they were rebellious, disrespectful. They wouldn't do what he told them to do. Over and over until at one point he said, get out of the way. I will wipe them out and I will make of you a greater nation. Uh, Did you hear that? Was this people his choice? Is he saying. Okay. They don't want to do it. I will set them aside. And I'll do it through you. Did you hear that? Do you see what I mean when I say the plan of God is not set in stone? Because of people. And the Lord is showing me. That his ministry. And his ministers. And a church and a ministry is a precious gift. Precious gift to a town, to a city, to a state. It is an awesome gift from God. Think about where generations of people can grow up and be taught the fear of the Lord and the faith of God and how to be led by the Spirit, and how to prosper and become a blessing. And Oh, my, my, my what a treasure from God but there are a lot of people who even though God would give it to them don't value it don't treasure it and did you know there are times he would deal with us and, and cause us to offer ourselves knowing they won't receive it knowing they won't why because in that day When they complain. And why didn't you do this for us God? Why didn't you give us this? He'll say I did. I did. I sent it to you. And you didn't want it. Didn't it happen with Jesus? Did the father send him? Did he come to his own? And what did they do? They didn't receive him. They despised him. But it's not God's fault. He did it. I started out talking about commending you. Why? Why would the Lord send us here? There's a lot of places. If you were looking to try to build a large church. <laughs> Branson wouldn't be the first place. That you would pick. But. The, the first service we were here. First service. That first The first Sunday service. I said to the people, I said, uh, you may say, why are you here? Why did you come to Branson? And I said, no other reason except the Lord directed us. And it sounded to me like half the crowd spoke back to me and said, we know, we've been praying. Lord. When are y'all here. Do you remember that? Is that right? Am I telling it right? Why is there a church here? Because there's a bunch of people I'm looking at some of them that would value it. That wanted it. That would come. That would pray. That would receive. That would work. That would give. Come on are you listening to me? That would value this thing. And because you did. He's honored us. He's given us a fine place. He's given us resources and ability. And made us a blessing. We're sending the word all over the world. That's the Lord honoring us. And whatever other place. That we would do something. It has to be the same. Or elsewise, the folks don't qualify. They've disqualified themselves. They've judged themselves unworthy of it. Are the things of God precious? They're precious. Do you value them? Do you esteem them? His spirit, his word, his people, his things. Somebody say out loud, I I glorify you, Lord. I, I honor you. Second Samuel 6, did you turn there? Now one thing we we need to understand and remember, you know, even though God has blessed us here, did you know we could lose it all? In a hurry? Did you know that we could... We could lose everything. It, it, it could be in a short amount of time there's not even a church here. Did you know that? If we stop honoring him, if we stop valuing him and respecting him and his things, you could lose you can lose it all. Even though it's the will of God, even though it's the plan of God, even though he gave it to you, you can lose it. If you stop respecting it, if you stop honoring. In 2 Samuel, I want you to notice this. The 6th chapter. We studied last time about David being a man after God's own heart. And if you want to understand some things about the honor of God, study David. And his life and the way he lived and what he did. He knew something about the honor of God. And that's a big part of what made him a man after God's own heart. And uh, he wanted to get the Ark of the Covenant back to where it should be. And finally some things transpired and it happened. And the Ark of the Lord is returning to where it should be. And this is a very big deal to David. (laughs) You can see the people that honor God. I mean, some people get excited about this movie star and that movie star and they get excited about money and they get excited about that. People that love God get excited about God. And the things of God. You know, I, there's people, ministers that I've seen. They they said I, opportunity to be on this uh, world-renowned talk show. Opportunity to meet this world-renowned political figure and this and that. And they talk about it for hours. It just doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me. Being around his people, the men of God and the women of God. The ones that he's really called and shows. I, that's who I'm excited about. Yeah. That's who I like to be around. I don't care how dressed up they are, how much money they got. Some unbeliever has no respect for my Jesus. I got no time for them. Unless they want to get saved. (laughs) I don't care who they are. They're nothing in front of him. They're alive about that long. Nobody will know who they are in a few years. Right? The things that men in the world esteem, the Bible said they're an abomination to God. Sadly, so many of the precious things of God mean nothing to the world. So they're bringing the ark home. Verse 13. Well, verse 12. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom in the city of David with gladness. Somebody say gladness. 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 When you love God, the things of God make you glad. And it was so that when they had bare the ark of the Lord gone six paces he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was girded with the linen ephod. How many think he was trying to put on a show? He wasn't trying to put on a show. He's really this excited. He genuinely this excited. It's all that necessary. Hey, you get full enough, it'll come out. Nothing's coming out, you're just not full enough man he's a dancing he's not just a little bit dancing he's dancing with all his might i mean david is doing some steps you ain't seen before i mean he's not dancing to the beat or he's not thinking about anybody seeing him he's just so glad that the presence of the lord is back where he's supposed to be and the ark of god is back where he's supposed to be and he gets to be the one to help get it there He's just so excited. And man, he's dancing. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. And with the sound of the trumpet. How many of them are having a big day? They're making a big deal out of this? Big deal. Somebody say big deal. Big deal. 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 Ark of the Lord came to the city of David. Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window. And saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And what did she do? She despised him. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel as well to the women as men, everyone a a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And so all the people departed, everyone to his house. When you love the things of God, you don't close the pocketbook. Hmm? You let money flows like water. You can't spend too much on the things of God. Then David returned to do What? To do what? Is his heart right? I don't know if he did anything wrong in his dancing or not. But his heart's right. He returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today? I said, if you'd listen, you'd hear the spirit of disrespect today. You'd hear the tone. Now here is something I want you to be on the watch for. This, I guess, uh, language-wise, is called irony. Irony is when you say something, but you mean the opposite. And then a lot of times, coupled with irony, is sarcasm. Sarcasm, you're saying something, but you don't mean what you're saying. You mean the opposite of it. And in sarcasm is abiding bitterness. Do you remember the Bible talking about Esau and how he despised? In that same passage, it warns us about bitterness. Same verses. And about the root of bitterness. Anytime you hear somebody talking like this, they are wrong. There are no exceptions. Somebody told, oh, were not you pretty today? Didn't you do something? Never is this okay. Never is this acceptable language. This irony, this sarcasm, this bitterness. Wasn't the king glorious today? She said. How glorious was the king of Israel today? Uncovered himself. Today, in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, there's nothing to say that he was naked. The Bible said he had on a linen ephod. He didn't have on his kingly garments. He didn't parade down with pomp and circumstance. He got down with the people and danced like a kid. (laughs) And I don't know if he was a little indecent through the process or not. I don't think he meant to if he was. he just dancing. And his heart was right. But something was wrong with her. Wasn't it? Just no understanding, knowing about these things. This didn't just happen this day. Something's been eating on her for some time. And she's waiting for him. And she's got this sarcasm. Didn't you show yourself today? Oh, you're a glorious, kingly today. Have you ever heard that kind of talk? You hear it far too often. I don't think, though, that very many realize how serious this is in the eyes of God. We think, ah, everybody talks, you know, like that sometimes. You should never talk like this. Never. Everybody say never. Never. You should never talk like this. For one thing, our words are to have power. And we should break ourselves from saying things we don't mean. Irony is not always malignant with evil intent. And yet, why would you say something you don't mean? Why don't you just say what you mean? Say the truth. But it should never be this bitterness, this biting sarcasm. Never should you have that in your mouth. Because you wind up disrespecting God. You'll think you're just doing it to them. But God will take it personally. She thought she would just talking to him. But notice what happened. David said to Michael call It was before the Lord which chose me instead of your daddy and instead of all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord and I will yet be more vile than thus and I'll be base in my own sight. He's not interested in trying to be the big king. He didn't care about that. He cared about the presence of the Lord was coming back. And these maidservants that you're talking about, of them shall I be had in honor. They'll respect me. You're talking about them. So concerned about them. Isn't that something that the most disrespectful people will be talking about somebody respecting? And the Bible says, therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Disrespect and loss. Disrespect and unfruitfulness. Barrenness and unfruitfulness. I really think she lost David that day. I think she did. I think the barrenness was more than physical. Her life was just barren for the rest of it because she wouldn't repent and she wouldn't turn loose of that. Do you see this principle, friend? If you despise, you lose. Is this serious? It is. Now, I know this is sobering today, but it's also good if we'll make some changes. Some things you don't shout so much when you hear it. But if you put it into practice, it protects you. It spares you from terrible loss. And it qualifies you. Eventually, I'm believing to get to this. I already got some notes on it. But I'm believing to get to this qualifying part. This promotion part. And this is all part of it. We don't want to lose what we have. Or what we should have got. We want to get all. We want to get more than we got. We want to be promoted. We want to be advanced and increased. That's saying you want the Lord to honor you. How's it going to come? By honoring Him. Can you say glory to God? Luke 19. For time's sake we won't go to the uh, Esther passage, but if you've read that it's about uh, how Mordecai had saved the king from these individuals trying to plot to assassinate him. But it was kind of forgotten, and one night the king couldn't sleep, and he had them come in and read some of the history and records to him, and they read the part about how Mordecai had spared him from being assassinated. And he said, wait, wait. He said, what kind of honor was ever done for that guy? And they said, well, nothing was ever done. He said, we got to do something about that. So the next morning... Uh, Haman came in who was Mordecai's enemy planning on killing him. And he said to Haman he said what should be done for the man that the king really wants to honor? And Haman thought he's talking about me. He's going to honor me. So he said what should be done is that you should give him some of the king's clothes and you should put the king's crown on his head and get one of the king's best horses and put him on that and parade him through the streets by one of the most honorable men you have and say, this is what is done to the man the king's honor. He said, that's great. I want you to go right now and do that for Mordecai. <laughs> oh, 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 you thought you'd have ran a hot poker through his heart, man. He went out of there mortified, but he had to do it because it was the king. But this just is an example of honor. What does honor do? Honor makes a big deal out of. Despising ignores. Treats as trivial and insignificant. Whatever. No big deal. Whatever. This whatever is not innocent. This whatever stuff is disqualifying people. From the blessings of God. In the 19th chapter you see a similar situation to what we just described. Luke 19 and 35. Luke 19 and 35. Are you there? We just read this not long ago, right? And they brought him this colt to Jesus. Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the coat, and they set Jesus thereon. And as He went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when He was come near, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They said, Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Are oh, they making a big deal? A big deal. Out of the Lord. I mean they're taking their clothes off. And throwing them in front of the little donkey colt That Jesus is riding. They're throwing branches out. And they're going. Oh the king. The king. Blessed is the king. That comes in the name of the Lord. They're making a big deal. Is this right? Should they have done this? I tell you what's more important. Everybody should have been out there. Doing that. They weren't. The leadership. Should have been the head ones. Jerking off there. I don't care if it was a $2,000 robe. Jerking it off and throwing it in front of the donkey. Going, the Master, the Messiah has come. Here he is. Everybody praise the Lord. Rejoice. Can you see a recurring theme here? Does this sound like David coming down through there dancing, shouting and praying? Everybody's rejoicing. Are they making a big deal? What if everybody came to church that way? Everybody approached the things of God that way. Don't give, don't pray, don't serve, too busy with other stuff, too preoccupied. And while they're doing all this, life is passing by. Isn't it? And our opportunities, God has given us talents. He's given us resources. Come come on, are you listening? Yes. Is your heart still beating? Are you still alive? Is God still on the throne? You still got an opportunity to serve the Lord. Have you got something in your hand? Have you got something an open door in front of you? Don't despise it. Don't treat it like it's nothing. Don't act like you got 30 years to get around to it. Don't act like everybody's got that. no big deal. It is a big deal. Somebody say big deal. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal that you're saved, that you're alive. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Your life, your preparation, your history is not by accident. God has trained you. He's taught you. He's put things in your hand. He's got you to this point today. You need to say, here am I. Here am I. Use me. I am available and it is the privilege of my life Amen. to be used of you Amen. and to serve you. Is that your heart, friends? Come on. Is that your heart? Is, say out loud. It is, it is the privilege of my life to be used by you. Used by you. Here I am. Here I am. Use, me. Use me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. (laughs) I'm laughing because the Lord just said to me, he said, you ain't seen anything yet. (laughs) Oh, oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. How much could He honor us? How much could He use us? What could He do? How far can He take us? Glory to God. This is not the end of this passage. They're shouting. They're praising. They're saying, Blessed is He that comes in the name of the Lord. They're throwing their clothes. They're throwing their branches. And He made it all the way into the city. And verse 41 When he was come there or near, he beheld the city. He looked over the city and he wept over it. He started crying. How many know the Lord's not just crying for no reason? He's crying over this city. And here's why. He said, if you had known, even you, at least in this your day, The things which belong to your peace. But now. They're hid from your eyes. He went on to talk about the destruction that was going to come. And verse 44 the last phrase. He said because you knew not. The time. Of your visitation. The Pharisees came out there. And tried to quench the whole thing. Didn't they? They said master. Tell your disciples to stop this. Tell them to quit this. He said, I am not. If they didn't cry out and praise me, these rocks would have to cry out. Why? How many know? It's time, there's times where somebody's got to praise God. If it ain't you, it's going to be them. If it ain't nobody, the rocks will have to do it because it just ought to be done. Think about it. Why is Jesus crying? Think about it. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The one that all of these scribes and Pharisees and doctors of law. Has supposed to have been talking about and preaching about for every generation. All the way back to the beginning of the covenant. He's here. He's here right in the middle of your town. Walking down the road. How many of the Pharisees ought to have been out there in the lead? The Sadducees, the doctors, the religious leaders ought to have been the first ones. The whole city, they ought to close the schools and the post office. <laughs> Everything should have stopped. Yeah. And every man, woman, boy, and baby ought to have been out there in the street Amen. saying, Hosanna! Amen. Praise the Lord! Amen. Praise the Lord! He's here! He's here! Amen. He's here! Somebody say, big deal. Very, Amen. very big deal. Amen. Instead, Everybody wasn't there. I don't guess half the town was there. There were some people there. Smart folks. That's the group I'm going to be in. That bunch. Even if they're the minority, that's my bunch. The praising, God-fearing, respecting bunch. It's my bunch. Is that your bunch? But he's there looking over the city. The leaders are not praising The town's going about its ways. And he cried. He said, you have missed your opportunity. The things that you could have had. The things that you should have had. But you missed it. He came into his own. They didn't want him. They wanted something else. Friend, beware of rejecting what God sends you. Humans have been like this for generations. He sends them his choice. And they don't want it. They want something else. You know, people said about Moses, we don't want this man to rule over us. We don't want this. People have historically, repeatedly rejected God's choice. They want something else. Not how they had it in their mind. The Lord warned us, don't judge after the flesh. Judge righteous judgment. They looked at Jesus and said, that's Mary's boy. That's Joseph's boy. Carpenter's boy. Who's he? You hear the same tone? Hear that same tone? Who is he? Saying he's anointed. Was he anointed? He's the anointed. Oh. And they ain't got enough sense to know who they're looking at. Who they're talking to. Who they're hearing. And they lost. They lost their opportunity. They lost what they could have and should have had. Now there's a lot of people like that in the world. And we can't control them. But what we can do is get a hold of ourselves. Are you going to believe with me for the rest of this series? Are you going to believe with me? We're going to see some things we had not seen before. We're going to get some things changed in our heart. And we're going to stop this disrespect. We're going to stop this stuff. This ignoring and this despising. And we're going to be taught. And we're going to learn and grow in the fear of the Lord. And I believe we're going to come. What if everybody jumped up in the morning and said, Glory to God, we get to go to church today. Hallelujah. Oh, we're going to praise the Lord. Oh, I got a good offering to bring to the Lord. Oh, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, the glory would be sitting on the uh, parking lot before you ever got in here. God would say, this bunch knows how to honor me, and I am going to honor them. You watch and see. He's done it in a measure. But how much more he can and would. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.